This is Three Women and a Bottle of Wine. Three friends. Three former TV reporters. And one bottle of wine. Delving into whatever interests us. News, not news. What affects our lives? Because it's probably affecting yours too. I'm Kim Inslee. I'm Lynn Melling. And I'm Julie Barkey. And now on with the pod. Welcome to Three Women and a Bottle of Wine. I'm Kim Inslee. And I'm Julie Barkey, and I am here with Kim, and missing is our the third person, the third leg of the stool, so to speak, Lynn Melling. She can't be here today, but she's here in spirit, and hopefully she's consuming a spirit as we are. <laughs> or two, <Cheers>. right? <laughs> I, I've got mine, although it's non-alcoholic right now. That'll change as the night goes on. Lisa, did you pour one? I had to see that it wasn't needing to be wine because I I go for a Manhattan. Ooh, that Vodka. sounds really good. All right. Well, yes, let's introduce you to our guest, right? With a full second, really full year of the COVID pandemic behind us, the workforce has transformed before our very eyes. I feel like it's continuing to shift. And so we're going to tune, uh, turn to an expert in the world of work. Um, and before the great resignation was even a thing, right? Uh, she wrote a book called Fire Yourself, which inspires professionals to reignite their careers and their lives with intention. And she is Lisa Brazonic. She is the CEO of Salo. It's a talent company based here in Minneapolis. And Lisa, welcome, welcome, welcome to three women and a bottle of wine. Only in, in this case, I think it's three women and glasses with spirits. Thank you so much for having me. I've been excited to do this. Looking forward to it. Well, as Julie pointed out, it's been a long time. We've been trying to get you on this podcast, so we appreciate it. Worth the wait. We it work. Yeah. So there's so much to talk about, right? The employer perspective, the worker perspective, and the lingering question, Lisa, with all the changes we've seen because of what the pandemic has wrought upon us, as far as the changes in the workplace, what do you see as lasting you know, and that's the big question I was here is, is it going to last? What do you see as a lasting change out of all this? Well, I think the lasting thing is that people need to learn that lasting is probably not a, a word that we're going to be using a lot anymore, right? Things are going to continue to change and evolve and people need to get comfortable that the speed of change got a lot, a lot faster. And I think the one thing that we can count on is that, you know, we have a workforce that has shrunk over time and not just over COVID, like it's been shrinking for a while. We just realized how bad it got in the last year. And um, that's, that's not gonna grow anytime soon. It takes a while to get the population to grow. And so when that's true, you know, as leaders, we've got to think differently about how we're looking to not just find people, but also to um, develop people, to keep them interested, to engage them. Um, I think it needs to be a CEO's, you know, it may not be their entire job, it can't be their entire job, but I think a lot of people were delegating that to HR and to other areas and leaders need to think about talent engagement um, as one of their really top priorities. Otherwise, everything else they're trying to do is gonna be really difficult. And so how do CEOs engage? How do they try to pull in young talent or even people who just chose to stay out of the workforce for a while? Yeah, well, I think what everybody's looking for since, um, since we all went through all this is, really reconnecting with why they're working and how they're working and who they're working with. And so to really get clear on, you know, what is your company all about? What's the work that you do? Why do you do it? How do you tie that to something that is, you know, a mission of, you know, a values-based company that says, this is what we care about. This is how we go after work. This is why we do the work. If you, if you say all that, then you've got an employee who can come in and they can, they can really align with that, right? They can say, I want to be a part of a company that does X. 
if you don't know what that is, or if you're really just trying to make widgets or provide services and you don't really have a mission around it, it's hard for people to get attached to that, right? Like they're there for a paycheck. They might be there for a couple of other things, but they don't get as attached to it. And I think a lot of us over the course of the last two years said, I want to do work that matters. And I want to do it the way that it works for me and my family. And employers have to realize that they're going to have to be more adaptive to that and not just say, this is what we do. So meet my needs. It's got to, it's got to be a 50, 50. And in some cases it's going to have to be a 60, 40 or 70, 30 in order to find the people that you want and to be willing to realize that, you know, you might've had a list of requirements this long of what you wanted from somebody to do. You might have to settle for something shorter than that because there's not as many people with that list. So I think this, this fussy choosiness about, I get to choose exactly who I want to come work for me. It's flipped. Now <laughs> employees are choosing who they want to go work with. They're in the driver's seat. Yeah. And Julie brought up a good point in terms of, you know, attracting young talent or keeping talent um, with a worker shortage, it's no longer, yeah, let's push out the old folks and get the young people in. We're trying to engage and attract and keep all the talent. So how does, how does that work across generations? One size doesn't fit all, right? Yeah, it's super interesting, right? So I have a daughter who is um, a year out of college mm -hmm. and uh, she's working right now in a company that um, is mostly working virtual. They'd like to be more in the office, but they're trying to figure it out. Um, and she wants to be in the office, right? She's just starting her career. She wants to connect. She wants to meet her work people. You know, she wants to get her new peeps, right? But there's so many people that are in older generations that have said, oh, I kind of like the hybrid. I kind of like working from home. <laughs> And that is a problem, right? Like we, we have to find a way to meet in the middle so that new people who are coming into the workforce have a way to mentor, not just on a screen, but also sitting next to people and building relationships in both ways, not just one way. And um, it's, I, did, I think it's really incumbent upon all of us who were lucky enough to be able to have all these mentors and people to show us along the way. We've got to think about how we do that for the upcoming workforce. So it's not just the people coming out of college, but it's also a lot of millennials who've only been in their job for 10 years. How do we make sure that they get all the experiences, create relationships and connections and see examples of this is how, you know, this is how you build a relationship. This is how you build a career. This is how you develop yourself. And um, I think what, what has been hard is that a lot of people have gotten less invested in all of that. And they've been thinking more about, because they've had to, I'm going to do what I need to do at work. And then I'm going to shut it off. And I've got to go take in my family and other obligations, which are really important. But somehow we got to find a way in the middle to make sure that the people who are just getting into the workforce still get what they need to be nurtured and developed and motivated to stay in the workforce because they see the value. So does anybody else see the irony here that that, that like your daughter's age, my older son's age, they're the ones who grew up texting people instead of having conversations mm -hmm. and yet they want to be in the office. I find that so you know, ironic and very interesting, very fascinating that all of a sudden there's this need to actually connect eyeball to eyeball and not on a Zoom screen. It is ironic. And I think, I'm sorry to interrupt. I think you hit the nail on the head too, Lisa, because I'm at the stage of my career. It's like, I'm fine staying at home. I have my network. I have met the people at work, you know, but if you're a new person and you don't have that or that social construct, that's really hard yeah, well, and a lot of us met some of our very best friends at work or yeah. our spouses or all that stuff, right? And so our kids and, and all the folks that are out there that are just getting in, in that generation see it all, have seen all that and you know they want that too and they want it different. They don't want it the same way. 
But Julie, I think to your point about the irony of the screens, I think part of it is, I mean, I take a look at what happened with um, kids in my family, or other kids that I know, and they weren't just on a screen, like they were bound to a room. <laughs> they were bound to like three rooms if they were in college, mm -hmm. they were bound to something that was really, really tight. And so you put somebody in a situation where they can only do a couple of things, everybody, whether they wanted it before or not, now you want something different and you feel tight, right? You just want to break out of that. So I think there's, I think we could dissect like six really important reasons why it's going to be important for us to figure out how to give people, you know, I, I'm so tired of the word, but a hybrid experience, right? Like we've got to find a way to mix and match. And it's not just, there's not one answer. Well, there are so many positive things that did come out of this pandemic. And I know we're still in the pandemic, but we're, we're leaning we, towards we an endemic. Yeah. yeah. I don't know where we are. I'm just, I just read the news. I don't either. I left the Department of Health, so I don't pay attention anymore. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm I did leave. I do still pay attention. But I do want to talk about this whole idea that diversity and equity really be became headlines, for lack of a better word, because Kim and I are both you know, former newsies. How do we reconcile labor shortages and trying to hire folks um, to you know fill certain niches and and you know, be very cognizant and thoughtful of diversity and equity in a time where it's hard to hire anybody in some areas. Well, you know, we've spent a lot of time on this at Salo. We spent a lot of time on this talking about how do we do a better job and how do we think about this differently? How do we kind of turn the conversation upside on its head from where we were two years ago? And, um, you know, one of the things that's like nails on a chalkboard for me is when somebody says something like, well, we live in Minnesota and there's not as many diverse people. Like that is an ignorant, awful thing to say, because it's not true. There are plenty of people who come from all different walks of life. And whether you're talking about racial or any other category, there are plenty of category of people to choose from that don't look like the people that you always talk to. We always find people that we know and like that are probably similar versions of ourselves, And so it is totally natural for you to just start recruiting and looking for people when you're hiring who look and act like you, right? Like I have to work pretty hard to make sure that I don't bring in the same personality traits because nobody wants more than one Lisa Brzezonic, trust me. But, but to really think about that outside of just personality traits. And so what we started a couple of years ago was saying, all right, look, we're going to make it a goal for every single employee. You need to broaden your network. And um, the next time you're thinking about going to a meeting or joining a group or recruiting, like, how could you think differently about doing that in a different place than you've ever done before? And I think that that is, uh, for us, we found a whole lot of places like, wow, there's a lot of things that we weren't thinking about. Um, and we look for talent, right? So for a long time, we were looking for talent, like in a bunch of places. And now we've opened that door and said, we've got to look in all places. And I think what people don't realize is there's a lot more places out there than you ever believed was possible. Um, and if we really tap into this and think differently, as well as about how do we give people different opportunities and um, skill training and, and just think differently about what's required to be successful in a job. I just, I think there's tons of, of opportunity here. Um, and, you know, I had to um, fill three positions on my team. And I just set it out as a goal, like, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to figure out how to meet more people. And when you get that intentional about saying, I'm going to go meet people that are a different race from me, are a different, name your category, right? I'm going to go figure that out. Then you find it. If you don't say that, you, I mean, good luck. You might bump into it, but probably not. So I just, I think that it's incumbent on us to do it for many, many reasons, the least of which 
is there's a talent shortage. And if there's talent over here that can help you, why wouldn't you go over here and try to figure out how to find some different people to come and work with you? Um, and if you're marketing and selling to, to, you know, the widest audience possible, you need all the minds possible to, to make that happen. Another thing that people are doing is rethinking what the qualifications are. And you kind of touched on this. You're not going to, you're not going to be able to say, I need a PhD, you know, for this job that you don't need a PhD. And in some cases you don't need a college degree. You need a skill set. So are people taking a look at different pipelines, you know, that they can create, whether it's, uh, you know, apprenticeships or things like that to get people into the system and upskill people and create a workforce in different ways? Yeah. So, you know, what's what's really fun about that is um, so what we do is we work with accounting, finance and HR professionals. And um, they all come to us as consultants and we help find roles for them in companies around the country that they can do to help solve business problems, right? So um, the way that worked two years ago and the way that works right now is really different because the way that used to work was we would get a phone call from, uh, you know, a CEO would call and say, I, um, I'm looking for a CFO right now and I need an interim CFO. And here's what I would like that interim CFO to look like. And they'd have a whole list of all the things that that person had to have. And they could not travel. They had to live, you know, in the same city. They had to come work at the desk next, you know, in the office right next to them. There wasn't a whole lot of um, flexibility in those requirements. And, and, you know, we would find people. We would, we would be able to find that for them, right? Now you come with that same list, that same list of requirements. It's going to take you a really long time, if ever, to find that because a whole lot of other people, you know, would love that as well. And so now people show up with, okay, I'm in a jam. I really need somebody. I want somebody who's going to match my culture. I want somebody who can do the basics of what this job is. I'll teach them this. I'm okay if they travel. Heck, if they want to work virtually, I'm fine. Um, if they don't have quite this, they could have that, like they're willing to be flexible because they need people. And, and then what people are learning as they do that is, huh, okay, well, guess what? Maybe I was being a little bit too narrow in my request before. Now I realize that if I open the door on that, I actually find people that I would, would not have found before because I was being so narrow on my requirements. Um, and so that, that's made a really big difference. And it's super fun having those conversations with people. I was just going to ask, so do you find that the pandemic helped or hurt your business in trying to find staff for others? Oh my gosh. It's been, um, it has been a roller coaster immediately when the pandemic hit, um, everybody kind of paralyzed and, um, I don't want to people say people stopped working, but they kind of stopped working. Right. We all just kind of went, oh my gosh, what's going to happen next. Mm. And so business was pretty rough for us. But then as soon as people went, oh, the pandemic is here to stay, like it's not going anywhere for any time soon, um, pretty quickly when that happened, all of a sudden um, our business um, skyrocketed and people are trying to figure out how to work differently. A lot of people started moving chairs and changing companies. And so as a result, um, our business um, has been really successful. And what's been really fun is our ability to place somebody anywhere around the country just got a lot easier, right? Because we can call somebody in Portland, Oregon, and they can do a job. I mean, name it, they, they name where you want the job, they can do it anywhere. And so our ability to find somebody that much more qualified to do the work, because although we get general things like a CFO, we also get really specific things. I need somebody with this specific software experience, this specific industry experience, whatever it is. And when you have a whole um, you know, national group of people to work with, a, a candidate pool that's coast to coast, 
you can find that a lot easier than you can if it's got to be somebody in Minnesota or in Chicago or in Texas and they, they have to actually live there and work there. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's, uh, it's challenging because it's, um, there's a lot more demand for work right now. So we are a lot busier and that's challenging. Um, but it's fabulous because it's a lot more fun. I mean, <laughs> it's good for business. That. Yeah. You made a perfect segue to, um, uh, I want to do, I want to talk about your book, fire yourself. Um, and this whole idea, if you're a worker and you're not feeling, you're not feeling it for your job and you're hearing that there are jobs available, you might be thinking not only of just changing jobs, but changing careers, finding something that really does get you excited. So what is your advice for the person in that situation? Um, and maybe it's not to change jobs, you know, maybe there are ways to, to fire yourself up about the job you have, but if you're going, if you are going to make a change, whatever it is, how do you start? Yeah. Well, the, the whole premise of the book was figure out what you want in your life and, you know, in your work life and make sure that you're on a track to go get it. Because if you don't know what it is, people might show up and offer you things and you might say yes to opportunities that aren't really on the path of what you desire. And so you got to do the work to figure that out. And then in addition to that, a lot of people just kind of go about their job day after day and they, they might network within their company, but they kind of don't talk to people outside of their company. And then all of a sudden when something happens and changes and you have to go figure out, oh, you know, something happened and now I've got to go find a new world, a new job. Um, you don't have a network. You haven't done any work letting people know who you are and what you do and what you care about. So you have to start from scratch. So whether you're looking for something right now or whether you're thinking that, you know, I'm pretty good where I am and I don't really think I need to do anything. My advice is you should always be thinking about having a strong network in your company and outside of your company and telling people who you are, what makes you happy, what kind of work you like to do, you know, what you think about for future goodness, whether it's personal or professional, because when you put that out there, people hear that. And then, you know, if you see somebody at the grocery store and somehow you're getting a conversation about what's going on and what's going well, people remember that. And then, you know, they file off and go someplace and bump into somebody else who says, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to figure this out. And I'm looking for somebody to help me with this. If you planted that in somebody's head, they've got their Rolodex, you know, their mental Rolodex picks out who do I know that does that? So, you know, the, the first thing is we all should do a good job of promoting ourselves. And it's not, what, it's not what most of us are taught to do, especially women, right? We are taught to not be too terribly proud to be more humble. And it's more important not to think of it as being um, too proud, but it's just sharing who you are, sharing what your tools are, sharing what your passions are, and thinking about how you can share that with other people. That turns into networking that you didn't even realize was happening. I like that. I don't idea. even know how to ask something after that. That's <laughs> I like that encapsulation. idea. I want to know though, Lisa, are you happy? Do you like your job? Do you like, like, has, did the pandemic open up any kind of, um, did you have an epiphany or are you happy? Epiphany. I don't know about epiphany. Um, I think that I would say, I love my job. I love my job. I get to work with the most amazing people. Uh, we just had a celebration last night, um, for somebody that's retiring from our team. And it was just, um, you know, we were all talking about what we're grateful for at Salo and what we're grateful for about our team. And what I love about where I work is, uh, we talk about what we care about as a company. We are really, really values driven and everybody is aligned to that. And when you're working with people that all care about the same stuff and are all trying to generally go and get the same kind of stuff done, um, you just have a lot more fun. 
Um, we care about having fun. We care about being passionate about what we do. We've got really smart people and we get to help people find jobs. Like what we do is we put people to work and we solve business problems in the pandemic. When people couldn't find work, it was super rewarding to be able to help people put, put people back to work. And now as businesses are trying to figure out how to put things together, it's really, really awesome to be able to go home and say, guess what? Today we put 50 people to work. We did like whatever the number was, whatever it is. And that number keeps going up and up. And so I love being a part of that. And I love that I get to find people who have so much joy in helping other people. It sounds One of really the, easy, but I really do. No, I love it. I mean, that's, that's passion. That's a purpose. You know, I, I always joke, well, we're not doing brain surgery here. And you know, in my job, we're not, but the thing that we do does help people. And that's the thing that keeps you going. Yeah. Um, in solving business problems, you have the, is it the people first work plan? Yep. Yeah. And one of the, you have four talent catalysts that I thought were really cool. One of them was optimism. Can you talk about the talent catalyst? Because I, I, I was reading through that and it's like, these are things in just in life that are going to keep you going. And that's, that's something a, a worker can do, an employer can do. It's just a way of thinking about things that I, I don't know, I thought was kind of, kind of neat. Yeah, well, you know, we talk about it as there are key things that will help get people excited about their work and help keep you thinking about how do I keep moving forward? And that's kind of the, that's the whole gist of this, right? Like we want to make sure that as you're thinking about how do you build your business, if you can build your business with a bunch of people who all are in it for the same reason, um, and then make sure that those people are well-developed, um, feel like they get the resources they need, they're going to make great decisions and your business is going to grow. You know, I always, I always say to our team, like, look, my job is to make sure that I do the best I can to take care of you. Now that doesn't mean that I say yes to everything. It's like great customer service. Sometimes great customer services. No, that's not a good idea. My job is to make sure that I do the best job in taking care of our team, because when I do that, they are empowered to go make great decisions and do great things for other people. And I think that's just kind of a rolling, you know, philosophy of how to take care of a great business. Um, and then when you put that together with also thinking about, you know, what, what are we here to do and talking about that and making sure you build it into every decision that you make, right? So we're here to put people to work. We are here to help businesses figure out how to get from point A to point B or point B to point F, like whatever it is. And if we can continue to bring that back when we're making decisions, that, that'll make sure that we're doing the right work for the right reasons and not suddenly making a decision to go do whatever it is, but it really doesn't point to anything that we actually care about. And then it feels hollow. So, so that becomes kind of the, 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 the genesis of all of it. So at least I have one last question. As people, um, you've spoken a lot about maybe what businesses can do to try to build and find that hybrid or find that the, the sweet spot to get people in. But if for somebody who's looking to get back into the work, into the work life, what advice would you have for them? Yeah, make a list of everybody that you know and go talk to them about the fact that you wanna get back into the workforce. Um, people find jobs from other people finding, looking for jobs or knowing about things. And so even if you feel like you don't have any skills, this, so before I was here, I was a coach. And so anybody that knew anybody that was looking for a job and was a friend of mine, they're like, would you please talk to so-and-so, right? Like I got that phone call all the time and I loved that phone call. And oftentimes it was somebody who was um, feeling like they didn't know how to first, how to figure it out. What was the first thing that you do? And I always said, number one, know yourself, like know who you are, understand what you're good at, what you're not good at, what makes you curious, what makes you passionate, 
talk about that with everybody, you know, tell them like, look, I'm trying to go find a job. I'm trying to get back in there. Here's what I love doing. Here's what I don't love doing. Here's what I'm thinking about. And ask people, like, I think some of the best feedback can be um, if you go talk to somebody who knows you really well, um, if you used to work with them or not, and say, so what do you think I'm really good at? What, what do you notice about me? What stands out about me? They'll tell you something and half the time, you, know, you didn't even expect it. You didn't know that they said, oh, like somebody once told me, um, Lisa, part of what I really like about you is that you're really organized. And I was like, I am not organized. This, no, 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 not organized. And as, as she talked through it, I went, oh, okay, that's, that's not my definition of organized, but I understand what you're saying. And now I know that's a strength of mine. I should think about how I actually use that differently. I think if people can do that, you'll very quickly find more opportunities and you'll get confidence that this is the skill set that I have. And now I can figure out how to apply that to different roles. So it's not just the lines on the resume. It's really what's inside that is going to get you where you want to be. Yeah, because who doesn't want to do work that they love doing? I mean, you can go apply for any job. But if you get any old job and you don't really love doing it, you're probably not going to stay there for very long. Or if you do, you probably wish you weren't staying there for very long. When you're not at the job, what what's the thing that keeps you sane during all of this? I don't know about sane, but um, I have four kids and a lovely husband and a lovely dog um, and a lot of really great friends. And I love being busy and doing lots of different stuff. And so every weekend is an adventure of what are we going to do next? Um, so I just love trying new things. Oh, we thought you were going to say podcasts. (laughs) (laughs) Bad answer, Lisa. (laughs) I'll work on that. Oh, Lisa Brazonic, we're so happy that we finally were able to get you on our podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was fun. Yeah, well, cheers, ladies. Cheers. Cheers. (laughs) Three Women and a Bottle of Wine is supported by 515 Productions. 515 Productions is a video production business with base camps in Minneapolis and Des Moines, Iowa. Learn more at 515productions.com. Our logo was created by Aaliyah DeSalt, a creativity guru offering art workshops to everyone from business executives to book clubs because we all have untapped creative potential just waiting to be unleashed. You can find her contact information on our website. You can stay up to date on our podcast by checking out our website, threewomenandabottleofwine.com. You can also connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, where you'll find behind-the-scenes photos and, of course, much, much more. Be sure you don't miss an episode. Subscribe to our show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts.